everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 234. In this episode, we think about CRM and how it relates to marketing, HubSpot's SEO tools update, deal workflows, NPS surveys, and everything analytics. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well, Ian. Glad to be here. And by the way, I just wanted to mention to listeners, if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our show notes. Pretty easy. Go to hubshots.com slash subscribe, because we put a lot of work into these show notes every week, hours and hours, and there's a whole bunch of extra stuff there. So make sure you get them. They come out every Friday morning. And listeners, if you want to listen to us on your computer, on YouTube, you can too. You're just not going to see see our faces, but you can listen to us. Now, Craig, what is our growth thought of the week? What is CRM? You know, it's interesting to think through this topic, CRM. Ask 10 people what the CRM is and you get 10 different answers. And so I thought that might be interesting, especially in terms of marketers, because I suspect most marketers think of CRM as something more on the sales side. And that's the question. Is it just the sales side? Does it include marketing? What about after sales support? Is that part of CRM? Is it just a list of contacts, you know, CRM? So interesting to be thinking about all the major players have pages. By the way, good examples of pillar pages here. Salesforce, I think, owns the mind share. Would you agree? They've kind of dominated it. And if you look at Google results, we've got a whole bunch of screenshots in the show notes. By the way, another reason you should sign up for the show notes. Salesforce kind of own all the terms. What is CRM? What is a CRM product, et cetera? Interestingly, Microsoft owns the broad term, just CRM. Did you see that? Number one. I bet Salesforce is funny about that. Because I know Salesforce put a lot of effort into this. Shout out to Mark Vozzo who was with the Salesforce team at the time. And they did a lot of work to rank number one for uh, for CRM. So a bit of a battle on there. But what's interesting, though, is that you find one of the high-ranking pages was MailChimp on CRM. They've been pushing for it. Then you see Zoho and, of course, Correct. HubSpot in there for this term on CRM. So what's your thoughts on this, Ian? I just want to take a step back. And so people throw around the word CRM. I'm going to read you the definition of CRM, Craig. CRM is Customer Relationship Management is a technology for managing all of your company's relationships and interactions with customers and potential customers. The goal is simple, improve business relationships. And a CRM helps companies stay connected to customers, streamline processes, and improve profitability. And this has come from that featured, is it the featured snippet from Salesforce? Am I right? It is. And well, and all of the big vendors have similar pages talking about it. And that's pretty much it. It is the customer relationships that happen. So then come back to the question, well, is that marketing? Because at what point does marketing transition over to sales and perhaps a transition to support and things? They're all part of marketing. So a good marketing department is across all lifecycle stages, including customer. But so I think this is an interesting topic. I think Mindshare is changing. You know, we have a lot of clients who they might say, oh, we need a quoting tool. And you say, oh, so a CRM. No, 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 we don't need a CRM. We need a quoting tool. Like, oh, okay. And it's obvious that they don't have, well, the same understanding of a CRM that perhaps I have. And of course, marketing teams can be similar. They're like, oh no, that's over on the sales side. I think the big takeaway just from this opening thought of the week is that CRM is all-encompassing. 
Correct. And really, when you think about it, it's got customer at the core, doesn't it, Craig? And if you think about the flywheel, the customer is at the core. And so I think it raises an important question about how people think about CRM moving forward. So, and I know we discussed earlier, it's like, how does this relate to marketing? And I think one thing that HubSpot's done well from the start is, for example, have that customer timeline showing where their journey started and all the points of interaction up until today and really highlighting what are the key aspects of that. By the way, I thought it was interesting when I was thinking through this topic, if you do a search through HubShots using the nice HubSpot search function, CRM, the word and the term, turns up heaps. It's wow. in tons of our episodes. We talk about CRM all the time. Did you realize that? I didn't realize that. And no. I'm like, oh, we actually talk about this all the time. And I'm predominantly got my marketing hat on, yet there it is. It's peppered in our language all the time. And so maybe it is actually more prevalent than you think. All right, listeners, on to our quick shots of the week. And here's a few items that we've noticed. And Craig, you brought my attention to this about HubSpot updating the acceptable use policy. Yeah, basically they, like many vendors and platforms, are clamping down on hate speech, discrimination and anything that incites violence. And they're pretty clear. They're basically, if you support that, we're going to boot you off our, off our platform and I guess they're just getting the legal bits in place. I'm sure they would have done that previously anyway. Now they're just making it much easier. So, yeah, good to see. And the next thing is the improved SEO tool within the HubSpot tools. It's got a bunch of new checks. And I was so interested in this particular little quick take that we're going to do a whole shot on this in a second. And finally, we have HubSpot adding an update to bulk import of images from a URL. This is really handy, you know. We've actually had this case where the big pillar page on a WordPress site wasn't a blog post, been there, and then we just wanted to bring that over in a HubSpot. And it's like, oh, well, copying the content's easy. Getting all the images over, oh, one by one, upload them. Bulk import tool, ding, thank you. Massive time saver. And the very final one was HubSpot bought the hustle, Craig. Yeah, we'll chat about that in a future episode. Just the strategy around that direction. I remember, um, and in fact, in the blog post where HubSpot talked about it, Damesh said, Software companies will become media companies. It's yes. an interesting take. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is the HubSpot SEO audit tool within HubSpot Marketing Professional and Enterprise. They're really revamping this SEO tool, which, by the way, is still hidden away on the menu under what is it under strategy? Correct. SEO. Um, I wonder if they'll pull that out just to be under the marketing first level, but. Remember, it used to be a topics. It was around topic clusters and Correct. pillar pages, that kind of hub and spoke model. That's kind of, I wonder if anyone uses it. I've used it lately, but now it's all about recommendations. And then, first of all, it was about giving you SEO recommendations for your own sites. Now they've added this thing where you can actually put in any URL. So I guess if you're an agency, you could use this to look at prospect sites or customer sites and give them some recommendations. But it's Correct. like they're bringing their own little mini SEO audit tool within in the HubSpot platform. That's right, Craig. And I think it was it was really well broken down and making they're making it easy for people to see what actions can be taken from all of these recommendations. Yeah, look, and some are good, some are bad. We've got a whole bunch of examples in the show notes, another reason to sign up, folks. But give some examples where... There's some good and then there's also some false positives, things that 
they highlight and flag as, oh, you should change this. And when you look at them, like, no, nah, that doesn't really work. Correct. You know, the, the Instagram login link doesn't work. It's like, no, nah, that's not really a problem. So I think they've still got some nuancing and finessing of the tool. But look, it's actually getting pretty good. You cannot complain, can you, Craig? We, of course, ran through HubSpot.com. <laughs> so ran ordered over it. So, yeah, have a look at the show notes because you'll see some interesting screenshots with SEO issues and pages scanned. Yeah, we should send this report to my, uh, Matt Barbie, I think. Yeah, get him onto some of those uh, recommendations. <laughs> I think. All right, I'll do a HubSpot sales feature of the week. And uh, listeners, if you're using HubSpot Sales Professional Enterprise, this is something that you should definitely get started with. And I'm going to highlight two most common deal workflows to start with. And the first one being the ability to focus on high value deals. And so it's a pretty simple. It's like if a deal value is over this, then you need to get a notification to look at that. And probably more so if a deal is being sent to somebody that is not necessarily working on it initially, but then gets notified that they are working on it. And the second one is to a reminder to update stale deals. And this is really often, happens very often, and people will ignore things and not close them off appropriately. And so what this does is put, put a task in your task to remind you to update the close date for a deal. So would it be fair to say when we think about contact workflows, yes, marketing workflows, you're really about communicating with contacts. Correct. It's a, more, it's a very external focus, although you can have internal notifications, of course. Whereas deal workflows is very much internally focused. It's about the sales team working on the deals and keeping them updated. Exactly. And then I've got a real life example of this, of another application is that in the example I've given is someone within the business, a task getting created to inform them that a serial number for a product has been entered into HubSpot. And what that essentially does, it goes to customer service and says the serial number has been added and what deal it's associated with and when the customer delivery date is. So customer service can pick this up and they can go and make sure that that delivery has taken place because now they have all the information that they need to get the job done. And so this is just another little application of how you can utilize a deal workflow. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot service feature of the week. This is to do with NPS surveys. Now, we have spoken about this in earlier episodes, but I want to highlight this because it's a very underutilized feature of the platform and something that's really easy to get started with. And you've got to be having service professional enterprise to get this happening. So I'm just going to take a step back. Now, what is a net promoter score and why would we use it, right? So a net promoter score is a percentage of customers rating the likelihood to recommend a company product or service to a friend or colleague as a nine or 10 minus a percentage rating that is six or below on a scale of zero to 10. So listeners, did you know that it's actually not hard. Even the email that gets sent out essentially looks like a bunch of numbers from a little buttons from zero to 10 and people click it to indicate how they're feeling about recommending your service. And then what happens in the process is it'll give them an option to say, oh, we want to understand if you gave it a nine to 10, we want to understand why you gave us a nine or 10, right? And on the flip side of that is when they answer or don't answer, the, essentially the thank you is, would you mind leaving us a review? So you could give a link to your Google 
business listing or to other places where you collect reviews. On the other side, if somebody answers with a between a zero and a six, for example, they could just say, can you tell us how we can make it better? And then get some valuable feedback from the customer as to how to rectify things. In the show notes, there is a screenshot. And what I have done, why I wanted to highlight this to you is it really gives you very good data in terms of people that necessarily don't say things to you when given opportunity will feedback that information. And if they really feel strongly about it, they will say something in respect to the data. So here's a good place to start. When you are starting with this to to get an initial baseline is to survey all your customers, right? So you've got a starting base baseline. The next point when you set up this survey, that'll automatically happen is because you're choosing a list and a certain criteria is to run it for anyone who has become a customer in the last 30 days or just over 30 days time. And that will keep ticking over to make sure that you're actually getting people that are becoming customers. The next thing you might want to set up is thinking of key points of interaction that you have with your customers. So are there there major things that happen? So if we think about HubSpot, for example, let's say an event like inbound. Maybe it is one of those points in time where they might want to create an NPS survey to understand how people are feeling post the event. So there's another point. So in your business, think about it. Do you you run monthly events? Do you run quarterly events, et cetera? And where are these points where you can get data from? Now in say a building company, for example, they might collect this data at each of the key points when they finish the sales process, when they start their building journey maybe even during their building journey and even at the end and post their building journey, maybe after the warranty period. So these are the key aspects that you might want to get data. Can I ask you, with your clients that you use this for, Yes, there's one side is collecting the data. Correct. What processes do they have in place to actually respond to that? So they're getting back the scores. Okay, they got a baseline. Our scores went down or our scores went up. How do they act on that? Okay, I'll give you a real life example, Craig. With one of our customers that happened to run this for the very first time, people did feedback and they actually wrote down some feedback. So what they essentially did was action that feedback and call the customer and talk through the issue. So one of them sounded silly at the time. So I'll give you an example. They do a lot of service. So they have service technicians going out. I think one of the things that happened was the service technician went out, didn't have the parts, so they charged them the call-out fee. Now, when they went out the second time, they charged them again a call-out fee and to fix the, the issue. And so the customer's feedback was, you do a great service, but I think this is really unfair that you charged me twice for somebody coming out because you didn't have the part. And I and I take that on board and go, yeah, that doesn't sound very fair to me. But it's things like that, that they might not be aware that's actually happening because it's just a billing issue, right? You could say the technician marked, he's been out there twice. Someone in billing went, oh, okay, I'm charging two lots of fees and the cost of parts for that trip. Not realizing that, was it actually a true transaction or is it, a, is it the right thing to do based on who the customer is? And just little things like that. So it just gives us an opportunity to actually... So it's, it's almost like the NPS survey was really just the prompt to get the feedback. Correct. What about the overall scores though? So I, I get the value of the, of the feedback, but the scores, let's say you're sitting around a management meeting in the month and it's like, oh, our NPS has gone up. 
what's the action item from that? Is it just like, oh, great, things are doing well? And then what's if the next month it goes down? How have you seen companies adapt to that? There are, I'll, I'll tell you the reason I ask, because I quite often get these surveys. I fill them out and I feel like, oh, that's just gone into a black hole, hasn't achieved anything. And of course, everyone is doing surveys. It's almost like every company I deal with now, NPS survey, and it's almost like, oh, have I had my coffee this morning is kind of the score I give. I guess that all gets, if you get enough results, that all gets evened out over time. But yeah, what I'm just interested in what your customers have done with actually making that actionable. It's all great to get the, the data and the scores, but how do you make it actionable? What are some of the things that they do? So on the scores, I guess they're keeping an eye on whether it is going up or down. That's, that's as much as I would say that they are doing. And then looking to understand what has happened in that period as to why that would have been driven up or down. We don't deal with massive data sets, right? So generally when we see things go up or down, people know that there's probably a handful of events or, or a handful of people that potentially we're talking to at a, at a single point in time. So, so in relation to your question, that is how they deal with it. And probably harder on a larger scale when there's like hundreds and thousands of these responses being given back. All right, uh, HubSpot Extra of the Week, Craig. You know, HubSpot's rolling out these customized cookie settings. I had no Have idea. Have you seen this? We've got a link uh, to a knowledge base article. I think it's in beta and rolling out, but it's definitely publicly available knowledge. I haven't done this to be, just to be upfront. I haven't actually configured it because you actually need a developer to hook into the API and load cookies and that as well. But HubSpot's rolling it out or in, enhancing it so that you can have optional cookies categorized. You know, it's an analytics cookie right. or it's an advertising cookie, yep. that kind of thing. And I don't know if you've seen this on sites, but sometimes they'll pop up and say, oh, do you accept cookies or do you want to choose which ones you want to do? Yeah. I mean, I, I never do them anyway because I'm using Ghostry <laughs> managing all cookies that way. But interesting to see HubSpot going down this path. I guess it's kind of be required in a lot of European and maybe the um, Californian yes. uh, Privacy Act as well. But yeah, definitely coming. Interesting to see how that pans out. All right, onto our market tip of the week, and that is the Google Analytics bot spam on the 1st of February, Craig. Any of your accounts affected by this? I have to go look. I haven't looked. Yeah, check it out. The 31st of January in the US, 1st of February Australian time, you'll see these spikes in organic, just this massive spike and down. I've got a screenshot. Actually, this is our site. You can see we were hit. A few of our client sites were hit. A few of our client sites had no impact. But yeah, (laughs) if you suddenly got excited and thought there was a big organic boost. Sadly, it was just uh, bot spam. All right. On to our inside of the week, Craig. And this is about thinking through value. And what does value mean to a business? You know, I've been reading um, Donald Miller's book and his course, Business Made Simple University. I know. I've been listening to it. Which is fantastic. And I want to say thank you to you for recommending this book to me, Story Brand Book. I think you recommended it years ago. Yes, I did. I finally bought it just over Christmas and I've been reading it. It's excellent. Now, I won't go into the book or his actual framework, but I do recommend the book. Uh, I think it's changing my whole view of stuff. But anyway, this segment is more about his Business Made Simple course. And I'm really enjoying the course. Here's the thing, though. Nothing's new. I mean, I've been doing courses and reading business books for the last 10, 20 years. Yes. It's not as though it's new, but what I need is that continual reminder on the important things, which brings us to this topic, value. He's right up front in his course, he's talking about value. 
And of course, you listen to it. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's important. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, so why aren't I focusing on it? For example, my day-to-day marketing activities. Am I focusing on value or just getting some marketing activity done? We all fall into that trap, right? So then I've been trying to think through this idea of value. What is value? So I'm just going to uh, mention a few ideas. And you've been helping me kind of think this through this afternoon because I don't want to make it overly complex and I'm still thinking this through, listeners. So perhaps you can help me. Maybe, maybe send me an email with your thoughts. But consider this. We all want to be better versions of ourselves in our personal life, professional life, health, etc. And that's true of everyone. I think, I think people would agree. No one would really disagree with that, right? And you could even personify your business and say businesses want to be better versions of themselves. So keep that in mind. And then coming back to this question, what is value? So if you think about value and becoming a better version of yourself, it's actually about transformation. And so if you provide value, let's say we're an agency and we provide value to our clients, it's about transforming the way they do marketing. And that business, maybe it's a marketing manager, you're a marketing manager listening to this, you're transforming your business to provide greater results, maybe revenue. That's a transformation piece that's providing value. And then as a business, you want to help your customers be better versions of themselves. You might be a B2B business, but ultimately you're working with people and people want to be better versions of themselves in their businesses. So it's about transformation. And here's the takeaway. It's all about focusing on the outcome. So the message I guess I really just wanted to raise with listeners as part of this kind of thought of the week is thinking about the outcomes, not only for your customers, but your customers' customers and thinking about how everything you do, not just following a, a checklist, tick a box, I oh, would we'll do social updates, whatever. It's about what's the outcome? What's the transformation you want to provide for people down the line? And so I think that's helpful. And I, back to Donald Miller talking, raising this kind of at the start of his course on, on business. It's about that reminder. We kind of know this and what I've just said there. It's not like that's a new idea. It's just a reminder. And so I'm trying to remind myself of these things. Here's the final comment I want to make. As we fall into the trap of just doing the activities and not thinking about the outcome. So too, our clients aren't thinking about the outcome. They're just focused on what we're doing. So there's actually a communication piece we need to do. If we're doing a piece of work for a client, yes. we need to explain why we're doing it and communicate, here's the outcome, here's the transformation that we're trying to get for you. Yes. You don't necessarily have to use those words. But communication is so important. So again, marketing managers, maybe you're working on a piece You've got to communicate to the rest of your organization why you're doing this, the transformation, the value it's going to provide. And of course, as we know, value is normally acknowledged in financial compensation. So that's the measurement ultimately of whether you are providing value, getting compensated for it. Communicate that to your clients, focus on their outcomes. Everyone wants to be a better version of themselves. You play your part in enabling that for them. That's value. Well said, Craig. Like we discussed, I think I'd say... How do we communicate value in within our teams and within our business? And how does that affect what people do on a day-to-day basis? Because I think we could get better at doing that. And I know I can get better at doing that. And I think you've just highlighted this very aptly, how important it is for us to be communicating it simply, effectively, and even on a daily basis, communicate that message of what is the value that we're providing to all the people that we partner with and work for in businesses. Craig, our throwback of the week. I can't believe it's been a year since HubSpot bought PySync and integrated it all in. I think we even did the PySync certification. 
Yeah, we did. And we've got a bunch of episodes where we talk about PySync. It seems so long ago, Ian. I know. So, listeners, if you're listening and you want to go back, it's episode 182 and 183 and 187, amongst other episodes about PySync. All right. We've got a resource of the week, Craig, and this is really important. And this is to do with the GA4 with Google Analytics 4. And we're highlighting a mini course that we highlighted, I think, about three months ago. And this is a course by Benjamin Mangold and from Love's Data. And I have to say, I do like Benjamin. I love the stuff he does. And I love him. I've been following him for years. I think he's awesome. Australian-based. And yeah, that, that mini course, I finally did it on the weekend. I finally under, Very good. understand all the nuances of GA4. I've just been playing around the, the fringes in the last couple of months. It's so good. His course is so good and very practical. It just highlights everything you need to do. So go and check it out. You know what I was thinking though? I th- And this is a bigger point from just his mini course because he's got a bunch of courses. And I was thinking, why did I buy his course? Because, you know, I paid money for it. Exactly. And there's free stuff from Google and you can buy $9 courses on Udemy and stuff like that. I was like, why not buy his course, which was $75 US, right? And he's got a bunch of other courses. I'm like, why not buy his? This is a really crowded space. Not only is he competing with lots of other Google ads and Google experts. Correct. He's also competing with Google himself who put out a whole bunch of free stuff. And so I was thinking through, I find this interesting. I've paid him money. Yes. It's like, why? And... I was trying to break it down, and I think there's a few things. And I think the lesson here is you, because I was actually thinking, maybe we should offer a HubSpot course. Whenever I've come up with that idea before, I thought, well, that's crazy. Why would I compete with HubSpot Academy and, you know, George B and, and all these others? Like, it's it's a crowded space. Why would yes. we possibly compete? I was like, well, there's a few things. First, I really trust him. And two, he's saved me a bunch of time because he's taken all of that, oh, I've got to find all that Google knowledge base and all these other courses. and everything. Correct. He's got a really small course. Like you get through it in probably an hour, hour and a half. He's distilled it down Distilled really well. it down. Yes. Just the important elements. No fluff. The other thing I really like about him is he hasn't tried to do the fake urgency upsell and all of that. <laughs> I've been following him for years. I get his newsletter. Exactly. He has tons of really good stuff on YouTube. Yes. And then occasionally I'll say, oh, here's my new course check it out. I want you to buy it. You know, it's none of this, uh, there's no... It's going up in the next 24 hours. Yeah. By now. There's no bollocks. There's no malarkey. I just really trust him and he's really smart and he does great stuff. And so that's probably actionable for anyone, any listeners, even if it's a crowded space. Bring your special take, bring trust, bring distillation and clarity and actual practical application. And I think you've got a chance. I met Benjamin doing Google Ads certification and Google hired him to run the run the training. Yeah, I've been to a few courses yeah. this was years ago. Were you in were you in that semicircular room? I was. Yeah, I was there as well. Well there you go. We didn't know each other. We didn't at the even time. Know. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's way back. So it goes to show and I think like his communication, his style, like it obviously resonates with us, right? Because it's just authentic and it's there. And you're quite right. Like, I would not hesitate one bit if you said, you need to get that, I'll buy it without thinking about it because I know him. So, there, there is a great reminder for all of us. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. And this is from Donald Miller and it's from his book, uh, Business Made Simple. But it says, value-driven professionals see themselves as an economic product on the open market and are obsessed with giving people a great return on their investments. That's gold, Craig. 
Now, listeners, there are plenty of bonus links in the show notes when you subscribe. I've put some fun ones in there as well, especially this Westinghouse (laughs) video from the 1950s end. Wait till you see it. It's gold. Fantastic. Listeners, again, if you would like to learn more about GA4, we've got stuff in the the show notes about the GA4 with GTM and how to track core web vitals and many, many more. Now, like we said before, if you haven't connected with Craig and myself, please connect with us on LinkedIn and send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Can I just say, and I know it sounds like I'm really pushing this email thing. If you subscribe, that comes from my email address. Reply to that. And that's the quickest way to get in contact with me. I'm just not on LinkedIn anymore. I'm not on social. I'm just really cutting down all the avenues, but email I still write. So if you want to contact me, I actually respond pretty quick to email. There you go. How to how to find Craig in a crowded Whereas market. Whereas you're all over, you're all on social. <laughs> you're doing the socials, Ian. <laughs> oh, one of us has to, Craig. Yep. So doing it for both of us. Thanks for that. So thank you to Chris Mottram from Podcastly for editing this podcast every week, and he's been with us from the start. So Chris, a special shout out to you, and thank you from us. Thanks, Chris. And listeners, we hope to see you next time. See you later, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.